Welcome to the Momentum Podcast. Our hope is to fill you with the light and life that are found in Jesus so you can shine in the world around you. A great next step if you'd like to grow in your faith is connecting to a community. We would love to help you connect at Momentum. For more information, visit MomentumSanDiego.com. Again, that's MomentumSanDiego.com. We hope you enjoy the message. All right. Uh, Well, this is your weekly reminder that we have the opportunity to do something incredible together this year. Thank you, first of all, for those of you who have contributed those gift packs for our Vista Square connection over here. Thanks for giving generously. But let me just stop and tell you, our Bring Life Christmas Give is our way of finishing the year strong. If you're new, if you're visiting, if you're not sure what this is all about, Every single year, the largest offering we receive as a church, we give away to causes that we believe would bless God's heart. And so this year through the uh, Bring Life Christmas Give, we have all kinds of local non-for-profits that we're supporting. And it's a little different this year. If you're used to this, rather than going and do something new, we're partnering with some places that are doing good in our community already. And we're going to be helping them do the things they wish they could do. And so uh, some of us went to Vista Square this week and actually spent time praying with them, which was an incredible experience as we were at that school, which is one of our lead partnerships, one of our key partnerships for this thing this year. Uh, I learned more and more about the school. Number one is this, uh, we were leaving and under an awning were about 150 kids hanging out after school had finished. And the principal stopped me and goes, oh, hey, by the way, these kids over here, um, All 150 of them are here from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. every single week. And you go, well, what are they doing? Um, Most of these kids are in single-parent homes, and one parent is doing their level best to get these kids kids to school, to work, taking care of, and all that stuff. And so, again, man, we're giving uh, to support places with, with real need. And with real things going on. And so uh, you might have seen or heard us talking about 4747 and going, what is up with 4747? Well, that's another thing that's new about this year. Um, Our goal is not $50,000 or $20,000. Our goal is participation. Our goal is that everyone would contribute, everyone middle school age and up would participate by giving 4747. And again, for some of us, that's a stretch, and we hope it stretches you. For some of us, you could do that, you blow that right out of the water, and our challenge is that you would do exactly that and blow it out of the water so we can support these amazing families, amazing causes that are serving our community. So um, if you need more information about the people we're supporting or more about what's going on, you go to MomentumSanDiego.com, and on our homepage, there's the links that show you every single one of the not-for-profits that we're supporting in our community this year. And all that being said, we're going to continue with this Jesus Revealed series. Grab your Bible if you got a Bible, an app if you got an app, that note sheet in your bulletin. Check out this video, and I'll get my stuff ready, and we'll dive in together. So you could picture him at the, long of an, at the end of a long work day bandaging up his knuckles. You'd see the little bloody tips of three knuckles from the last stone he cut that day and fit into place. You would watch him gather up his chisel, measuring tape, plumb line, his trowel, 
and masonry equipment. He would package them together, wrapping them up, setting them down by the little pack mule that he had at the end of the day. Just like many blue-collar workers on many construction sites, he would check in with his boss, who happened to be his father. Together they would walk the construction site and look around at the work that still needed to be done, looking at the different parts and pieces and the way that they could attack the job as soon as sun was up the next day because they almost had it finished. He would ask his dad if it's okay for him to leave. He would hop on that mule as the sun was going down with an extra cloak on to keep him warm. He would run a few errands on the three-mile journey back home to Nazareth. He would turn down that one last road that was about a mile long that leads to his house. Halfway between him and his home, he would see the light of a single lantern. Now, there's not usually somebody in that place on this road at this time, so he hops off the mule so he can be sure of what's going on and ready to run, fight, or flee if need be. He would draw closer to the light. He would begin to smile as he realizes it's his young fiance who slid out in the evening to come meet him. He would embrace her. She would say the words, Joe, we need to talk. His mind would rush to conclusions because he knows her concerned voice and he was trying to determine what all the concern was about. Was it because she had cold feet? Was it she was thinking again about if they'll be really able to make ends meet once they're married? How's this engagement going to go? Did his mom overstep her bounds again and try and recommend colors for the bridesmaid dresses? What was it this time? And then she would say to him three words that would change him forever. Joe, I'm pregnant. Now, he knows that he hasn't laid a hand on her. He's done this right. He's been faithful from the beginning. So she, he instantly rushes to all kinds of conclusions about where she's been, what she's been up to. He's been working hard, putting in overtime to try and build up a little nest egg for them so when they start a new life that everything can be going all right. Where has she been while he was working? Who was it with? He starts imagining all the possibilities, and he's in this weird place where he wants answers, but he doesn't want answers. He wants to know so he can minimize the shame and the embarrassment and control the narrative. But at the same time, he doesn't want to know because he can't picture his young fiance with another man. An argument occurs right there a half mile from his home. Joe, you don't understand. He says, understand? What's there to understand? You're pregnant. Who was it? Where was it? When? How? How come? She goes, no, it's not what you think. There was an angel. An angel. Now he doesn't even know which way this conversation is turning. An angel. An angel what? I'm pregnant. Yeah, that, yeah, we got that. But what happened? Who was it? When did it happen? I need to know. He says, I don't know how I'm going to tell you. But an angel visited. He said, I'm with child. And the child will be the one. Which one? She says, the one who was promised to come. It happened. Not, not legend, not myth, history. Well-documented history. But the challenge with history is you can get so familiar with history that you forget that one day, some 2,000 years ago, there was a couple of engaged kids, one named Mary, one named Joseph. There was a three-phase engagement process in Jewish culture. Families betrothing the two kids to one another. A year-long engagement. The marriage process that would begin at the end of that. Somewhere in the middle of that year, 
here. A real girl named Mary, some 15 or 16 years old, saw a real boy named Joseph somewhere around the same age. And the two of them together had to figure out what to do with the pregnancy and just what was happening in their midst. The text is Matthew chapter 1. After all that list of names in the genealogies, you get to verse 18 and the story begins. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. So somewhere after this conversation, he doesn't believe her, and why would you? Probably goes into work the next day, just distant, just trying to do something to keep his mind off this new problem he has. And he goes, I know. We'll sneak to the synagogue. We can annul this thing. We can go our separate ways. Have you ever thought of this story from Joseph's perspective? Have you ever noticed, did anybody grow up in a church one time when they did the Christmas pageant, you know, and you get all the kids and you put them in robes and there's a Mary and a Joseph and the kid comes in and he's, we are shepherds in a field and we couldn't see the hark. Here, here goes this. Okay, you're laughing if you've been there. If you're not, you probably, I can, whatever. Okay, have you ever noticed in the Christmas pageant, Joseph doesn't have any life? Lines. Have you thought about why? It's because Joseph's part in the story looks more like the Maury show when they'd be like, you're not the father. And he's like, I know. And they're like, what is going on? That, that's why Joe didn't give any lines in the Christmas pageant. And consider his position. He has three options and none of them are that good. One, uh, I can turn her in. You know, the law states that, you know, if a woman commits adultery, she could be exiled, she could be outcast, or she could be stoned to death. But he loves this girl, and he doesn't want to subject her to that. Two, he stays with her, and and he knows he didn't touch her, but he's got to stay with her because of the collective pressure of their community. And he's with her, and the whole time he's with her, he's knowing it's not his baby, and he's just raising it. Or he could quietly annul the engagement, send her on her way, and best case scenario for him, everything he thought he had and was going to have, he loses. So he goes, okay, I guess I'll, I guess we'll do it. We'll dissolve the relationship. You go your way and I'll go mine. But then verse 20 comes and it says, but after he had considered this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded. Highlight it, circle it, underline it. Let me do it again. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. 
and took Mary home as, as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and they gave him the name Jesus. We are going to look at the way Jesus was revealed to Joseph. We're going to look at Joseph's example, and we're going to look at what he discovered about this Savior and what it means for us today. You guys, I love the story before the story. You know what I mean? Like, I love when you see that meme and it's like all the huge companies that started out in a garage. I love how major historical movements were like started by just a few people with a vision. I love stories before the stories because you always see that it begins with these real humble beginnings and a few people with the courage and the bravery to do what was right. Joseph is one of the greatest story before the stories in Scripture. And so we're going to grab a few lessons from him, and we're going to see what he saw in Jesus. If you got notes, you could go ahead and open the sheet because I don't want you to miss this. Number one is simply this. If you stay stuck on what God has done, you risk missing what God wants to do. This is important. If you've got some miles on you, if you and Jesus have some miles together, you are at risk. If you, if you stay focused or if you stay stuck strictly on what God has done in the past, you risk missing what God wants to do in your present and future. Think of Joseph for a moment, right? It says he knew the law. So like any good Jewish boy, he knew his scriptures, he knew the history, he knew the stories. So, so he would have known, he would have known Moses. And there's Moses, and God speaks to Moses, and he says, Moses, I'm going to send you in, and you're going to free Israel, and they're going to come out, and you're going to lead them, and there will be this moment where you will stand before the Red Sea, you'll put a staff in the ground, the sea will stand up, you will walk through on dry ground, and you will turn around, the sea will cover up Israel, they will be no more, your enemies are gone. Joseph knew Moses. Joseph knew David. He knew David just took five smooth stones down by the river and he stood up when everyone else was afraid. He walked towards the giant Goliath with a spear bigger than he was. And he said, you're coming to me with a spear, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. And he put a stone in that sling. And though he took five, he only needed one. He flings a stone. It lands between the eyes of the giant and he falls backwards. Joseph grew up on that story. He grew up on Elijah and the prophets of Baal and the two altars. And he prays and fire and all of this stuff happens. That was in Joseph's mind but he still had the sensitivity to see when God wanted to do something new. You see, right? You see, if, God, if, if Joseph was looking through what God was going to do through the lens of what God had done, he would have missed it altogether. He would have gone, come on, God, no, 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 I, I want the fire, I want the water, I want all of that. Come on, you're the God of giants, and you can use me like that, but baby mama drama does not sound like my God. But he was sensitive to God's leadership and able to perceive when God was doing something new. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a sensitivity to God when you, where you could see what he wants to do in your life, even if it's not like anything he's ever done before? Joseph did. Maybe you find yourself here this morning and you're in a place in life, and the only way you could describe this place in life is with the words, I didn't plan on being here. 
Matter of fact, I worked to not be here. Here is the last place I wanted to be, but I'm here now and I don't want to be here. But maybe here is exactly where God needs you. Because don't miss, especially if you got some miles with Jesus, don't miss this. Sometimes God wants to flip the script in your life. Because God wants to make sure you're in love with him and not with the things he has done for you in the past. God wants to make sure your heart is for him and not the way you've typically been used in groups of Christians before. He cares too much to let you fall into the trap of the past. Maybe for you, you've kind of had one of those lives and everything's been up and to the right and it was school, it was grades, it was college, it was savings, it was a home and it just kind of all went. It was Jesus, it was ministry, it was more, it was helping, it was a good reputation, lots of people who like you and look up to you. For some reason, it's all kind of stopped. You could almost use the word stuck. And that place is exactly where God wants you to be because for this time in your life, he wants you to see he doesn't just move in these big, sweeping, popular movements. Sometimes he is found when everything is really, really small. Vision moment as a church. I want to be a church that constantly looks forward to what God is doing and what God is going to do next. You look at the decline of churches in our country, and it is because they stay stuck on what God once did. They have a great season. Everybody loves a season, but everybody just kind of hangs out in that season. And although time moves on, the church doesn't, and they stay stuck in the season. And, And as that season diminishes, so does the church's relevance. You combat that by being a church family that says, we are going to continue to look forward to what God does next. I texted our staff team this week, and I'm just gonna pretend like you're on the staff team, and I'm gonna say this to you as well. Our collective heart will define the soul of this church. If we together have hearts open, fired up, looking at what God wants to do, we will have a forward-thinking, Jesus-following, life-changing church. Hearts open to God's voice, hands ready to serve, passion for his word, having fun the whole time, and looking ahead to what God wants to do. That's how we make it. That's how we become a church that's actually influential and transformative in the community that God has placed us in. That's what we're going to do. Oh, man, here's the other one. You know what, guys? Jeremy preached such a good message last week, but he didn't. He screwed up everybody's expectations because it was 23 minutes long. And you guys know I can't even get the intro in. We're not even. This is Jesus revealed. We got 15 minutes of Joseph so far. But you could get number two, simple obedience is the beginning of every great faith story. You caught that, right? You want to know one of the dichotomies in the kingdom of God? Every great faith future often begins with a few faithful steps of obedience. I mean, look what happened in Joseph. I can just say Joseph. If I say Mary and Joseph, there's only one Joseph in all of human history we think about. The entire world knows the name Joseph. He was caretaker of the king. You get that? He said, God said, hey, Joseph, I'm putting him in your care. 
He taught Jesus how to shave, how to walk, talk, and act like a man. Jesus had mannerisms that came from Joseph. What an honor. He ushered salvation into human history. What an honor. And it all began with one simple step of obedience. You get that, right? And did you consider what God was asking? It's God. Hey, Joseph. I've made your fiance pregnant. She's pregnant with the savior of the world. You're going to love him and the world's going to hate him. But I just need you to go with this. Your family's going to betray you. They'll want nothing to do with this. They'll think you guys hooked up and had a whoopsie before the marriage because you couldn't wait. Some of them might think she cheated on you. Everyone will know you had an illegitimate child. But when they say that, I just want you to say, don't worry. We know it's from the Lord and he'll be the savior of the earth. Um, Joe, can you do that for me? And he said, yeah. He took his arms, put them around the whole muddy mess, and said, yes, God. Which raises the question, what is the muddy mess that God is calling you to embrace this year? What is that thing You're like, I've done everything to get around this. I've tried to outthink this. I've tried to outrun this. Me, for most of 2019, I've been trying to just avoid that because I I, I don't have answers for that. I'm frustrated by that. I'm exhausted with that. And the beginning of a new faith future is just saying, I'm done, okay, fine. I've got it. What is your mess? Because chances are it is well-connected to the future that God has called you to live. What's your mess? Let's go. Matthew 1.21. Let's go back and not miss a few things here. Let's talk about Jesus. It said, she will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save the people from their sins. Now watch this. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Number one under Jesus in your notes. Jesus is the pinnacle of salvation history. It all looked forward to him. Matthew has that little phrase, and stick with me. We're going to study the Bible. Over and over and over, Matthew will drop these little clues in, and it says all this took place to to fulfill what was said through the prophet, what was said through the prophet, what was said through the prophet. My Disney Plus people will follow me smooth. Who did Disney Plus? Come on, don't be shy. Praise God. All right, there you go. All right, Disney Plus. uh, I haven't done it. I'm more of an ESPN Plus, but we are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, and, and, and here's what Disney Plus people know. Uh, I learned this through my seven-year-old daughter. She taught me in some of these Disney Pixar movies, they put Easter eggs. You guys know what Easter eggs are? 
It's something hidden in a film. And so, and so, you know, it'll be like Moana was on this boat, and it's the same boat that Rapunzel's on, whatever happened. And, and you're watching Frozen, and, and you watch uh, the girl from Tangled go walking by real quick, and, and Disney people are like, oh, my gosh, finally. All right. Uh, and, and so now every now and then there's an Easter egg in a movie uh, John, you could show him this one. There's an Easter egg in a movie making reference to a movie that has not yet come out. So this is Monsters, Inc., and this is well before Nemo came out, but look who's in Monsters, Inc. for a scene. And it's, it's their way of saying this is coming one day. Now, when you open your scripture, uh, I'll teach you a phrase you may or may not know. It's called messianic prophecy, okay? You're going to become a scholar today. Okay, when you open your scripture, everything that took place in scripture before Jesus happened over a 4,000-year time period. We call it the Old Testament. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Isaiah, all the guys, Malachi. Um, If you're Italian, it's Malachi. Um, But then that leads you right up to Matthew. That was funny. Come on. You see what I did there? And and then, then, (laughs) no, it wasn't. I'm sorry. And, And then after that, you get to Jesus. Now, over the 4,000-year time period before Jesus, there were these times when the power of God would fall on a prophet or a scripture writer or somebody, and it would tell about Easter egg that there's a Savior coming one day. Scholars count over 300 of these that are pointing to the name of Jesus. And the crazy thing is, it's nearly impossible, but Jesus fulfilled and lived into every single one of these predictions. Let me give you some. Um, Jesus' early life. Isaiah, Micah, and Hosea say, he'll be born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem. He'll come from Egypt. How the heck? Okay, I got virgin. We just covered that. But how's he, born in, how's he from Egypt but born? And then you watch the story, and you see that this virgin Mary gives birth, and, and then King Herod hears the stir about a young king who was born. And so essentially a genocide happens where he kills off all kinds of young people in this certain region to try and wipe out this king. You see Mary and Joseph take off to Egypt and go into hiding there. And when everything blows over, they come out of Egypt and boom, there is Jesus living every single one of these words. In his ministry in Isaiah and the Psalms, you you see that he was preceded by a voice in the desert that he would come humbly, perform miracles, heal broken, and preach good news to the poor. And then years and years later, this Jesus grows. And rather than coming like a king, he comes as a servant, and he lives into every single one of these words. At the end of his life, this is crazy, in Zechariah, some hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus, it pictures that he will be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. He'll die so humanity can live. He'll be raised to life. And those who look on him will live. And it all happened. What do we do with this? I'll tell you this. Here's what you do. Let me just speak devotionally. There's no one like Jesus. All of history before Jesus looked to him All of history since Jesus looks back, he is the center of the universe. There is no one like Jesus. You know what you make of all these prophecies coming together to talk about Christ? You make the fact that there is no one like him, nor has there ever been. You ever mess up? And you bought your spouse a present, and you got so excited about it, you told the kids a little too soon. 
Is that just me? I'm a good news teller by profession. And so I got Brit all the, she was into the makeup that one year. And so I just went. And those poor ladies in Sephora, I was like, what's this one do? What's that one do? Yeah, give me both of those. And I, I don't even know how to pronounce this thing. And so I, got, I, I hooked her up. I mean, she was just, it was all the stuff. I'm on YouTube watching the little kid give the tutorial of how to do the thing. And I'm like, yep, I need one of those. Ma'am, it's on YouTube. Could you help me find the thing? And we're in there just tearing through Sephora. And I just can't wait. I, it is, it is a Oprah-esque hookup going down for Christmas a while ago. And I get all the stuff and I'm a good news teller. And I say, girls, look at this. I got my the thing. And this one goes on top of that one. And you do the other one so that it pulled in the and, and they're like, oh, that's so cool. And Britt comes rolling in from work, and it took all of two seconds for the girl. Mom, we know something you don't know. Mom, they're hanging on her. Dad got you something. It got, it rhymes with Shefara. I'm like, stop it, stop it. But they were so excited, they couldn't help, they couldn't help but tell. They couldn't stop saying, they couldn't stop pointing to the fact that a gift is coming. They were fired up that a gift is coming. Do you know what these prophecies in scripture are? They are salvation history screaming out the words, a gift is coming, peace is coming, the end of insecurity is coming, the end of fear and darkness and death is coming, salvation is coming through the one named Jesus. All of history looked forward to him and now looks back to him. He is the center of the universe. It is the year 2019. Come on, math kids, try and keep up, all right? It is 2019. Go back 2,000 years. What year is it? It is the year 19. Go, go back 10 more years. What year is it? It's the year nine. Go back 10 more years. What year is it? Negative one. No, it's not negative one. It is the year one. One what? B.C. Go forward Two years. What is it? It's now the year one again. What? A.D. B.C. A.D. It's wrapped around the life of Christ. They call it C.E. and B.C.E. Now, we know what you really are. There is no one like Jesus. The only reason we know names like Constantine, Nero, and Caesar Augustus is because they are footnotes in the story of Jesus, look at me. You know what? You know what's the craziest part? You know what's the most confounding part of the whole thing? He wants to know you. He's before all things. He's in all things. Through him, all things are held together. And his wildest dream come true is that he could know you personally. He wants to know your heart, your hurt, your passions. He wants to know your thoughts, your cares, and your concerns. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him in such a way that, and this is supernatural. I have no unspiritual way of saying this. He wants a relationship with you that miraculously empowers you with life, and it's the life you were made to live. Have you stopped and thought about that this Christmas? 
eight days into December, have you had a moment where you remember this baby on this night with these parents is about a God who loves you so much he wants to know you? I love Tyler Perry. I mean, the Medea movies were awesome, but there's other reasons I like, I like Tyler Perry. The, the story that, of that studio he bought in Atlanta is just incredible. Praise God. It's a really cool, redeeming thing. Uh, but, but Tyler and I both like a good party. I, I, I just love, I, li- I like a good party. I like a dinner. I like a gathering. I like a soiree. I like a luau. I like a box social. I like something. You get, I mean, like my bare minimum is some people in conversation, anything on top of that. You get the music. You get the food and drinks, right? You get cards. I love a party. It's an interesting thing in our marriage because I could do something every night. I could just open up the place and be like, hey, we'll be here all week. And my wife could do that like once every seven years. And so we're working on that. You can pray for us. And, and, um, Tyler Perry can throw a party. You heard about his parties? It used to be Puff Daddy and everybody wears white. It's, it's Tyler Perry's era now in party culture. And his last party, or one of, I don't know if it's his last one. I mean, we haven't met yet. Uh, but he sent as an invitation everybody an iPad. And so you open the... <laughs> open the box, you open the iPad, and Tyler Perry's on the iPad going, hey, sport, we're going to party, and you're going to be there for more information, blah, 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 and, 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 and he sent gifts that were invitations. Do you see that? That is epic. Okay, let's pray and go home. You got it, right? The gift is an invitation. The invitation is a gift. The gift is an invitation. The gift of Jesus Christ is an invitation for you to know your Savior intimately. He wants to know you. Guys, you've heard in Revelation Jesus say that that verse, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and they who answer, I will come eat with them and they with me. You know Jesus was talking to his church in that passage? He was talking, it's not like the end of the thing and the altar call. It is the church. You guys, he's saying, I want to know you. The gift of Jesus coming down is God inviting you into a relationship with him. And I know for some of us that's intimidating because I know me. And I know God knows me, and so the idea of me sitting with God is uncomfortable at times. To that, I would just leave you with these last words. Did you catch it in verse 21? It says, she'll give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. Do you know what that means? It means in Jesus you are forgiven. You can be forgiven. Your future sins can be forgiven. You know what? Sin just doesn't last long around Jesus. And here's the crazy thing. He wants to forgive your sins. And then he wants to heal the sins that have been done to you. The people who abandoned you. The time they all left. The words that were said to you that have never should have been said that left some marks in here or some empty feelings, he wants to heal those. 
That's what it means when it says he wants to take away sin. He wants to welcome you into his family, which is called the church. And then, and then church, don't miss this. If you got some miles, if you got some miles with Jesus, hear me say this. It does not end when you say yes to Jesus and then you sit forgiven waiting for heaven to come one day. No, he sends you into the world to fight the death, darkness, and damage that is being done to the world by sin. Some of you know Jesus said this phrase, I'm going to build my church. He made a promise. He said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you know when you say yes to Jesus, you become part of the answer to Jesus' promise? That you would partner with your king, walking in relationship with him into all kinds of death, destruction, and darkness as a source of light, hope, and healing. That's your calling. That's mine. That's why this Christmas big give, the bring life Christmas give that we're doing matters, you guys. It's just a very simple, tangible way for us to be the answer to Jesus' promise. It's, it's us grabbing hands and taking one giant step forward into darkness saying, we're going to let our light shine. It's us taking up for those 150 children and saying, hey, we're going to fight for you even though you don't even realize there's a battle over your young heart. It's us following Jesus exactly where he's calling us ahead. Have you thought about that yet this Christmas? Have you stopped and taken a breath and said, I'm so glad I'm forgiven. Those wounds on the inside, are you still running and trying to outrun them? Or are you taking them to the one who takes away sin, saying, I can't heal from this on my own, would you help me? Are you in the battle? Are you on the field? in the fight, or are you sitting safely in the stands? Because if Christmas says anything, it says a light stepped into darkness so the darkness can diminish. Where's your light at? Let's pray. Jesus, take every last one of these words, thoughts, and ideas and grow them in our souls. Father, I just pray that you would make us good at being light this year. Make us good at being your followers. Make us good at shining in the world around us. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, and download the Momentum app from your app store. See you next week.